This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hello to everyone listening in on the podcast today. We have a return guest, Allegra Maguire, to the channel who specializes in all things psychology-based when it comes to the topic of climbing. Whether you're looking for improvements in your training or performance on rock, then we'll be tackling two super important topics in the next two episodes of this podcast. Allegra is a mental coach and co-founder of Climb in Flow and also has a YouTube channel called Climbing Psych, in which I've really enjoyed a lot of the videos recently. A lot of her practical work ties back to her academic background in psychology, where at present she's a PhD student in decision-making at Linköping University, Sweden. Part of her work in climbing at present involves working with both professional and non-professional climbers that are seeking to improve their mental game, fear management, and confidence in climbing, amongst other things. Welcome to the show, Allegra. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here. So today's topic is on how we are using growth and fixed mindset in climbing. And the next episode will also feature the current thoughts and processes around something called your individual zone of optimal functioning. Now, I'm really excited to kind of get stuck into these as whenever I talk to Allegra about any of those topics, she's really practical about the use of psychology in sport. And as a coach, she's also interested in how we apply theory into practice it's good to talk to someone who is in an area where I have less expertise, but really value the input back into climbing performance. So let's start off with the topic of growth and fixed mindset. What are those? What do those mean for those who are listening? Absolutely. So growth and fixed mindset is a theory that was developed by Carol Dweck, one of the most influential psychologists in the topic of motivation linked to performance. So she was really interested in trying to understand what drives especially uh, kids' behavior towards specific type of goals and what were the thoughts underlying their behavior. So she was particularly interested in uh, people's perception of their own intelligence and about how fixed and uh, how people perceive uh, their ability to change and to improve throughout time. And uh, when she looked into the research and said it make very uh, complex studies, actually, she discovered that mindset could be divided in two main categories, which are fixed and growth mindset. And it's interesting because both mindsets are part there, fueled by the same kind of desires. So for example, to be accepted, to be... Uh, to feel knowledgeable, to feel uh, that they're good at what they're doing. However, when people have a fixed mindset, the fear of disappointing themselves or disappointing others, driving avoidance towards challenging tasks, while growth mindset, so the idea that you can improve your abilities throughout time with effort and with the correct guidance, sparks the desire to learn to improve and people would actually seek those kind of situations and feel more rewarded by the process of learning rather than achieving the goal itself so we can see already that in this theory there was this um, relationship with goals and how people uh, seek or avoid uh, different kinds of situations 
And um, then there is a completely different perspective of what challenges and uh, how uh, they perceive reward is uh, very different, depending also on the context. So basically, when it, the, the, all these studies started, it was all about intelligence, which is a characteristic that a lot of people consider to be more fixed than we actually know it is in, in real by looking at the data. So we know, for example, that when it comes to IQ, so how we measure intelligence in, in psychology, uh, we know that there is a what is called a percentage of variance explained. I, it's a complex term, but it's like how much is explained by genes is around 50%. Mm -hmm. And the other 50% is driven by the interaction between environment and the uh, also the, the personal characteristics of the person. So there's an interaction term that is a bit complex to explain. However, we know that there is a big margin of improvement that can be in intelligence itself, just with the interaction with different kinds of environments. So the way you perceive your ability to improve even in a characteristic that is historically seen as such set so like um people can be categorized as intelligent not as brilliant right from when they're very very young and the way we perceive intelligence makes us feel like it's less developed uh, or less uh, improvable let's say uh, than other characteristics like a skill and determining uh, like in sport although we do see uh, the tendency to point out talent. However, we know that practice makes improvement, right? Intelligence like personality are seen as much more stable trait, but those who actually perceive their intelligence to be more fluid, more improvable, more changeable, those were the children that were perceiving uh, themselves as liking challenges. So where they were actually enjoying going through those challenges and uh, they were also persevering much more in front of frustration and setbacks. So when it comes to your own perception, whether your characteristics are fixed or um, changeable, it's not really about the characteristic itself, but actually a characteristic in a determined context. So for example, you might feel that like you have a growth mindset when it comes to your abilities in climbing, mm -hmm. but you could also have a fixed mindset to when it comes to, for example, your ability to study physics. Okay, yeah. So it's not a generalized trait or mindset that you have in uh, as a person. It's really context dependent. And even if you go into the context uh, that is specific, for example, to climbing, you can see yourself as having a great ability to improve in your, for example, your finger strength, however, not as much to improve your mobility. So it really is context dependent and um, specific, of course, to the person and what are they believes. And there's a great deal of research right now showing that growth mindset is definitely one of those elements that drive persistence and enjoyment. So what is called a, a more interesting type of motivation and is uh, one of the main drives of uh, seeking for challenge, novelty, improving your characteristics and what is also called uh, mastery orientation rather than goal orientation. And with those early experiences that, that were done, and obviously we've got to the point now where we're looking at applying to sport and things like that, yeah. 
And those early experiments looked at things like intelligence, for example, and some of those um, basic challenges that are given to children to to solve. Um, and some of them were very easy, and then some of them were more challenging, yeah, yeah. etc. Around those set of experiments, are we at the stage with this area of research or theory in terms of mindset where? all these experiments have been done in lots and lots of different areas, lots of different categorizations away from just intelligence or doing challenge games. It, how, how explored is it as a topic? Absolutely. So uh, this topic grew extremely big in, uh, in the scientific community. Everyone started to feel very interested into growth and study mindset in different contexts. And it has been tested in an extremely wide variety of contexts from occupation behavior to sports and uh, apply to even like personality. So how do you perceive your personality as changeable or not? Or if it's something uh, that can be developed through time. And so when it comes to sport, we have a lot of studies that don't really look into experiments as much as it was done initially. So uh, with Carol's like studies, but it's more on a um, self-report type of scale. So different scales and uh, uh, have been developed to test how much uh, people perceive, how they basically perceive their ability and their ability to change, their ability to, to be able to improve and also how they respond to setbacks, difficulties, challenges. So we have a lot of data because this is easy to, to actually collect about how people perceive themselves in specific contexts. Maybe you also have uh, an idea in yourself in when it comes to training, and then you have a different set uh, that is uh, with competitions. So a very big, diverse data set that shows that growth mindset really is linked to improved performance and also a better relationship with the activity itself, which is interesting. So uh, feeling like you can improve gives you an empowerment that is not indifferent and can make setbacks or difficulties see in a bit more in a positive way, let's mm -hmm. say. And so people find that it's it's easier to go through and accept the situations or maybe try to do something to to improve to improve them. So well-being improves. We know there is a correlation prediction, let's say, of higher uh, well-being and enjoyment of the activity itself. Yeah, because I was going to just ask, um, it might be related to performance outcomes, for example, but I think it's interesting to know whether there's other things which are grouped in with that behaviour, because not everyone is into performance, for example. Some people yeah. might be into enjoying climbing and wanting to do that for a long time. So are there you said that you know well-being was in there do we have things like longevity in the activity and other markers that we will typically see as being a good thing or a positive thing what are the the key markers that have been tied to this growth versus fixed mindset so um as i said the primary interest was absolutely performance it was, so right. it started all from that and then we saw that there was this uh, improvement so in well-being however uh, we see there's a correlation with perseverance. So if someone is interested in climbing and just is interested in like climbing for the sake of climbing, intrinsically motivated, uh, then the kind of challenges and uh, that can be found are in a certain sense less threatening. 
So in that case, growth and study mindset might not be the best predictor of like longevity or persevering or how long you spend time climbing. And um, it's more about, for example, your values of how how much you value, for example, the uh, being with other people, the community or living outdoors, the lifestyle, traveling. Uh, but of course, if uh, it's something that you're climbing for the sake of climbing, but at the same time, you're looking for the challenge and something that can be difficult and trying new project. However, without like having the obsession for performing well, then definitely it's something that that helps. As I said, any any activity in any situation will uh, drive lead to a certain type of plateau. We know the start improvement, it's very rewarding and it's much easier to achieve than compared to when you continue activity for a longer period of time. So that is a frustration itself. And of course, if you don't value performance as much, it might not be as threatening, but usually that is the point where people decide to drop out or not. And if they engage with the uh, difficulty, with the challenge, then it's much more likely that they will engage for a longer period of time. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And can you give us some examples of exactly what a growth mindset and fixed mindset would look like in sport? Because I, th- I think you kind of alluded to where what or it looks like, but I-, I always think it's useful if you can give us some context of, you know, this behavior here or this kind of thinking here is is tend- tends to be categorized in this manner. Okay, so we can have a, a different kind of uh, aspect. So, for example, you could have it to what comes to your training, to your performance, or also to your skills themselves. So you might be having a growth mindset, meaning, for example, that if you put enough time and maybe have the right guidance, uh, you can improve your finger strength. And uh, that would lead to an outcome that is favorable for you, that is desirable. Or you can have it fixed. So, for example, you have uh, characteristics of the fingers, for example, that you think they might not be uh, that prone to improvement. Or something that comes much more uh, frequently, it's, uh, I, I find it a lot more, is with uh, mobility and flexibility. So that people feel that they're either naturally very talented for flexibility or not. And uh, especially when it comes to certain genders. So mm. uh, since uh, it's much less rewarded for males, uh, it's guys tend to not to engage in, with it as much. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I find it with my clients a lot. And um, getting that even started, it's hard. So they start from, um, it's hard. So they start from a level that is, let's say below average or below the average female and they don't feel like they they're talented for it or their the margin improvement is much smaller than it would actually is so um, just that little change uh can make a big improvement in their ability to climb so we tend to see a fixed mindset for for mobility and flexibility when it comes to males. When it comes to females, it's much more uh, frequent that uh, females have a fixed mindset when it comes to power. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of females feel like they're short. 
and uh, so their ability to reach further and using uh, power, which is not the, let's say, natural ability for females when it comes to comparison with males. So we know that uh, the muscle of uh, males that are after puberty, they develop more in the upper body for the females, there's a tendency to have a more development for the lower body. And uh, so the pulling ability is not seen as like intrinsically uh, very developed or prone or excellence, for example, in for the females. And there we can tend to see a fixed mindset. So the, the pulling ability, and they might be more willing to spend some time uh, with the like training mobility instead, mm. because they feel like there's more margin of improvement. Uh, however, what is often the case, you find uh, fixed mindsets to uh, what comes to mental abilities. So I find it very interesting that people find that they will never improve or there's very little room for improvement of their uh, ability of being confident in certain types of situation. And it is extremely the case of pressure situations. So a lot of people believe that they can't really perform under pressure and pressure would just disrupt their performance and they will never have a good time and they will be too focused on like the fear of being arriving last mm. or losing. Or And uh, I think that these kind of uh, situations are much more prevalent when it, compared to when it comes to like physical or strength abilities. And um, it, they're also harder to, to impact and try to change. But it's also impossible to change those kind of uh, theories about how you work. Of course, the more it relates to your identity, the harder it is to change. When a guy is not super flexible, it takes very little time to make, uh, to show that there is room for improvement. As I said, the, the less training you have in that field, the, the bigger the improvement would be. So uh, let's say the perception can change quite easily. When it comes to mental uh, mental skills, mental abilities, people tend to be more reluctant to challenge their own beliefs. Mm, that's interesting. Because I, I would say from my perspective as a climbing coach, and, and I've had quite a broad experience across from your uh, amateur climbers and you know keen weekend warriors and et cetera, all the way through to working with lots of professional athletes over the years mm -hmm. is that I see the uh, professional athletes as being the ones that for me has always come across the most flexible and the most growth mindset oriented around the mental side of things. I think strangely enough, they're not hugely better than the general population on the physical or the technical side. Mm -hmm. And they are good. Obviously I'm not going to take that away, but certainly on the mental side of things, I think they're, they're quite agile and and they are very adaptive and they see that as being a thing that's possible. So it's interesting that you say that the people that you come across and work with are often very fixed in this way. And I almost wonder whether there was just a sort of selection bias in the people who come to you Definitely. are going to be fixed because they're going, I'm having an issue here. I want to improve this. Absolutely. Uh, there's definitely this case. Uh, however, when I think I might have done uh, like overgeneralization of mindset, mindset, we call it fixed and uh, growth mindset, but it's definitely on a continuum. So when we're looking at, the, for example, more fixed mindset, it doesn't necessarily need to be like fixed set in stone, however, more reluctant. So 
most of the athletes that I've been working with have uh, very impressive mental skills as well. So I think there is a, a bit of a survival bias, meaning that people that are to a top elite level mm. need to have those mental skills to be at, at, the, at that level, especially because otherwise they wouldn't train as much, they wouldn't feel as motivated and they wouldn't perform to, to such a degree. Uh, however, again, as I said, for sure, my athletes still believe that there is room for improvement for their mental abilities. Otherwise, they wouldn't even come to me to try to improve those aspects, right? And, um, and then, of course, the, those athletes that come to, to me have certain types of um, beliefs that might be more fixed compared to, to yours. Mm. So a bit of selection bias definitely there too. Yeah, yeah. And if we if we think about this, fixed versus growth mindset and we've identified that we would prefer for people athletes to be in this zone of a growth mindset and we see optimal results and performance come from that how do we move into a position where we are able to move something into a growth mindset so for example like if I think about myself personally as I think I'm quite fixed mindset in terms mm -hmm. of my strength it's something that I've always struggled with. It's been really, really hard work to change it. I'm not at the, you know, it's not a binary thing. I'm not totally fixed. I'm just somewhat fixed and a bit more reluctant. And my, I know my behaviors get problematic around that area. So what would I do to move myself into a more growth mindset position with that? I would say that there are two main ways actually two main directions so in one sense you could have to have a specific kind of training to improve your mindset however sometimes uh, you might have to accept it might not be the best kind of intervention for you in that sense so for example let's start with the second case when when is it that trying to change your mindset doesn't really give as much results if you're someone who is really trying to uh, push the limit, that you've been training systematically with guidance, with the people that know what they're doing, and you see that improvement is very little and uh, it doesn't give you the satisfaction that you're looking for, uh, you might have more room of, for improvement in other aspects, then those might be prioritized and you might be willing to work more on mindset on other context however if that is something that you think really impacts your performance or that there is a big room of improvement it's just like hard motivation wise to uh, keep on with the training then what is possible to do is try to um, of course have a systematic and structured training so that you can have it measured and you can try to have for example to fix some attention uh, biases that you might have. So for example, uh, you might not realize that maybe you're training more than uh, you would expect. Uh, you have a realistic desire or idea of a constant improvement. We know that improvement is not linear. And um, having it tracked for a long period of time can fix these kinds of biases and actually show you that there is an improvement and that the, that improvement is valuable. So this is basically challenging your beliefs exactly. with objective data. This is the first way, yes. Right, okay, yeah. And it's usually the most effective. So when it comes to uh, ability, when uh, 
that are more physical, it's easier. When it comes to mental abilities, then mostly the best way to to try to improve and like disprove your beliefs is using a journal. So, for example, we have the tendency to pay more attention to negative events. So if you feel that you're very bad dealing with failure, we will have to see, for example, how you reacted to different kinds of negative events. And what will come, for example, is that people try to think in a binary kind of way. I deal well with it or I don't deal well with it. But then you notice that, the, for example, the athlete takes uh, three days to recover from that failure. And the next time it takes two and a half days. And after two and a half days, they were actually able to train better and to train with more motivation or uh, so a decrease in the amount of time or decreasing the intensity of the feelings. It doesn't need that. It doesn't mean that your improvement has to be in the quality itself. So maybe you hate failure. You hate it with all yourself. However, the intensity of that feeling is decreasing it's still there so it means that your reaction is still there you you're not feeling comfortable with the idea of failure however the way you deal with it is improving and that helps uh, as like again as a feedback giving trying to uh, change biases attention biases in this case is one of the most effective way of changing mindset and so so first step or, or first thing that you've got there, which you think is really effective and most important in a way mm-hmm. is, yeah, collect data, get feedback, track the thing. So for me, I say I, I have a mixed fixed mindset around strength is that I would put more intention and practice into tracking my strength metrics or my sessions or the reps or se- not reps, but intensity of which I was operating at. So that would be one approach to it. Yeah. What other things can we do? Another one is really uh, in looking into the environment that you are. So, for example, the influence of other people and other climbers or even coaches can impact mindset as a lot. So if you are looking in a community that is very open towards the idea of improvement and is not looking with judgmental eyes, with the failures and setback, it's much more probable that you will feel more positive towards working towards this goal and that you'll feel less threatened by the idea of failure. So social support is another pillar, let's say, of development of uh, mindset. In fact, uh, the type of feedback that you receive shapes a lot the type of mindset that you develop. So this was uh, one of the uh, main results that Carol uh, Dweck discovered is that how we give reward to children shapes to a very big degree how those children are going to develop their mindsets. So, for example, rewarding effort compared to rewarding achievement was uh, one of the strongest way that uh, children developed uh, the different kinds of mindsets. So, of course, rewarding achievement uh, would drive them more towards a fixed mindset, uh, whereas a rewarding effort uh, fostered a stronger growth mindset. And how do we do this with ourselves in the sense that, I mean, I'm hearing this and going, I don't think it would be effective on myself, telling myself good effort. I mean, 
I know I kind of know that I do do this to myself Mm -hmm. but I also like saying to myself well done as well so I I, that might be it feels to me like I can see how that be applied to someone Mm -hmm. I might coach or my own children for example but can we use that same thing with ourselves is that effective does the research say that yes so this really links to self-talk and it's actually the way we perceive the effort we put in of course we are very rewarded by achievement otherwise uh, we wouldn't be looking into that kind of performance drive anyways however if you look at your effort and uh, you value how you're working towards a goal it's much more probable that you develop a growth mindset so for example if you look into climbing the example of projecting the I think that a lot of people underestimate the value in projecting long term. So it's much harder than people expect. The, the people imagine to, for example, commit to a project for even two months. I see that this is uh, something that is usually not happening in the average climber. And um, just committing long term to, to a goal, it's such a big achievement. And people should be more proud of those kind of behaviors and those kind of intention. So when it comes to projecting, sometimes there might be like difficulty of improving or figuring out the beta or with red point attempts or trying to link different sections of a boulder. So when it comes to people with growth mindset, they will find much more reward in just little improvements. Whereas a lot of people uh, with more fixed mindset will uh, find more reward in the end only so it would be mm. more frustrating to commit to a goal long term so the self-talk and again it's the self-talk is an interiorization of a lot of in, environmental influences of course so having a supportive uh, environment that fosters you to commit long term and to value the little steps not really just the sand uh, helps a lot into like interiorizing that thought of like, wow, this this is very cool. I did this new move. I, I couldn't do this two weeks ago. And um, that is rewarding itself. It's not just about like good effort, but giving value to the process rather right. than the outcome only. Yeah, interesting. And can you give me some examples of what you would consider good self-talk practice when this comes to it. I think I, I ask that because lots of people go, oh, is it just a positive pat on the pat on the back to yourself going well done? Because they may well listen and go, oh, wait a minute, that's well done. That's an achievement-based thing. So is that actually useful self-talk? So I'm interested to know what would you consider good examples of self-talk on this? So a good example is that you can definitely consider it well done if you're rewarding and saying that what is has been done well is the the process that you're putting in. So for example, when it comes to a project, if you said like to yourself, I'm very happy about how the session went and it's because you linked two moves compared to just the outcome that is sending, that, that is the main objective, right? That is an, uh, an example of good talk, of good self-talk. However, uh, like saying I'm rubbish because I couldn't send this 
and the amount of times uh, of sessions of tries that I was expecting that is considered bad self-talk because uh, there is first of all a person statement so it's not about the behavior that is about the climber so I'm rubbish attacks your self-esteem and um, also it's because uh, of how you manage expectations so um, not acknowledging that things might be going differently from what you expect and uh, let's say trying to cope with it adaptively that again is pushing you towards avoiding these kinds of situations in the next future so basically uh, to try to understand whether your self-talk is positive or let's say functional or not is because it's not about like positivity it's about functionality is you can ask yourself will this thought help me next time I'm in this kind of situation and make me try something different something challenging or will it impair my ability to try again and to get into these kinds of situations. So, of course, achieving is rewarding. However, the the big question is, what happens when you don't achieve? And how do you talk to yourself in that situation? Will it help you or will it hinder your ability to, to continue? Okay, so I think I'm getting this now. So if I think about... Um changing my mindset in terms Mm -hmm. of strength training is that one i'll be going to these sessions and i'll be tracking and i will be keeping an eye on how i'm moving forward and progressing so i'm collecting objective data that it is possible and i start to have that belief in that and i can see that session after session but when i go into those individual sessions and i'm putting in tension and putting in quality i'm verbally rewarding myself and reminding myself well done tom for putting in a good quality fingerboard session you tried hard today and even if it gets to the point where i might have a really poor session and i've gone backwards or just not done very well for two sessions what i may do in that self-talk is go but look at your data tom (laughs) you actually have gone forward quite a bit in the last three months this is looking overall like the right direction here exactly or you feel tired today and you journaled that at least you've recorded that and you've realized that a poor session is related to tiredness exactly and you walk away with something that's gonna impact you in a more informative way for the next session rather than tom you're rubbish because you had a rubbish session exactly or you're no good or you're weak because you had a poor score in your session or this is a waste of time yeah. This is a waste of effort. I could have done something else. Those are the kinds of thoughts that sometimes happen, especially when you're have you're in a low motivation period. And then the effort decreases, the frustration increases. And instead of acknowledging the conditions that could be internal or external that drive this kind of low motivation, uh, you can recognize the situation and say, okay, this is a situation that is limited to this setting, to these conditions. And it will be different Mm. because it was different before. I've been through this already. And you know that just getting a bit of rest, feeling fresh again, and trying to put that quality effort into it will make the difference. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, This is the stuff I like talking about when it comes to psychology and sport is not just taking these theoretical approaches that we see in a book or 
on a website talking about how the mind functions, but getting them and then mapping those onto practical things that we can do back within our training or our performance. And so I, I hope that those listening have found my <laughs> my bending your ear going, so how does this actually work when it comes to fix some growth mindset useful? Um, because certainly it's it's reminded me of a few things and it's kind of made me get psyched now for my my current season of training which I'm not always the best at with strength training and it's reminded me those those practices that I need to keep up with because that you know ultimately they'll they'll have better results I'm very happy that then I was able to spark a bit of motivation it's like yeah always well thank you very much for that allegra today um we are going to record another podcast on a, another separate topic uh which is around the individual zone of optimal functioning which is also a really cool topic as well so anyone listening if you've come across this podcast um and hasn't listened to the other one go and check it out on the channel and allegra can you tell everyone a little bit about where they can find you on the internet when it comes to your services your channel etc Absolutely. So for coaching, uh, the main channel is definitely the website climbingflow.com. Then if uh, you're interested in following me, then there's a YouTube channel, so Climbing Flow, that will have uh, some uh, information more in the future. And uh, Climbing Psych is my main personal YouTube channel where I share science of sports psychology applied to climbing. And finally, you can also find me on Instagram with random content, <laughs> very random content, I have to say. No, I, I I would recommend to anyone who's listening, go and have a check of Allegra's YouTube channel. It is really good. Some of those videos I've watched recently are really well put together. Thank uh, you. They're kind of like a blend of a bit of university first year psychology in with sports science and nice slides and it really explains the theory so yeah they're really good really worthwhile thank you very much well we'll uh, get on to recording the next topic now then yes let's go